host, Aaron Ripmaster. Welcome to the Man Cave, where we're recording the Diz Dads podcast, episode number 22. Tonight, we're continuing our resort review series, looking at the monorail resorts, the Contemporary, the Polynesian, and the Grand Floridian. With me tonight are Ryan Treichler. Hey, Ryan. Hi. Uh, I am Trike on the boards. Uh, Eric Anderson. Hello. DEA on the boards. And Carl Nixon. Hello. Carl Nix20 on the boards. Welcome, gentlemen. Hey, Eric. Thanks for having us. Um, now, guys, I, I wanted to start us off. This is this is the first one of our resort review series that's going to be addressing uh, deluxe resorts at Walt Disney World. So I wanted to start off and talk just a little bit about what sets deluxe resorts, and then in particular monorail resorts, apart from other uh, on-property Disney resorts. What makes them unique? What what makes what's the value proposition for deluxe resorts? Um, I don't know, uh, Eric. You've stated all three of the the monorail resorts. Why don't you take a stab at, at what makes them a little different? Uh, particularly with the monorail resorts, uh, it's a lot the convenience. You are, as the name would imply, on the monorail. So getting to the Magic Kingdom is uh, just a matter of hopping the monorail over, and you're there in you know just a few stops. Um, the contemporary is even more convenient to the Magic Kingdom because you can actually walk there. Uh, it takes actually a lot longer to get there on the monorail than just walking over. But but for me, especially when I had smaller children, you know, in the two or three range, getting them back to the hotel for an afternoon nap was a lot easier from the Magic Kingdom if you just had to hop on the monorail and take them back around rather than trying to get on a bus with strollers. So for me, a big part of what uh, sets those resorts in particular apart is the convenience of access okay. to the Magic Kingdom. And then, Carl, I know you've kind of worked your way up the chain from the, the moderate resorts to the deluxe resorts. What is it that sets these deluxe resorts apart from uh, you know the, the moderate resorts and the, the value resorts at Disney World? Well, I would say... Most definitely the um, the service and um, the way you're treated, the theming, um, and the monorail. Of course, the monorail is the is the biggest thing that I think is is um, as Eric was saying. Sure, sure. And uh, how about you, Ryan? Anything to add to the 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 value proposition of the deluxe resorts? Well, two of the things that haven't been covered that, that we really liked were the size of the room. We liked the, the additional space that you get in a deluxe resort um, and some of the additional theming that's actually in the room. So, uh, for example, in the contemporary, the, the light-up area under the TV that acts like a fireplace is really cool. Um, and, and in addition to that, uh, the the additional dining options that you actually have in resort uh, kind of go beyond what you have at the moderates or some of the other, uh, some of the other resorts. Okay. So, I, yeah, I mean, I think that that really, in a, in a nutshell, covers the core of, of what makes the deluxe resorts different. Uh, we're talking primarily about uh, convenience to, in this you know, particular show's resorts, the Magic Kingdom, but, but uh, convenience to the parks. Second, space in the rooms. Uh, third, the depth of the theming. 
forth the um, additional options that are available at the resort. And, and I want to include there not just dining, but also recreational opportunities, uh, Grand Floridian and Polynesian and Contemporary, you know, all offer some, some additional uh, recreational opportunities that are unique to their settings and, uh, you know, access to the Seven Seas Lagoon and, and Bay Lake uh, that set them apart. The pools are uh, really nicely themed and um, you've got more than one pool to choose from generally at these resorts. So the, the deluxe resorts, it's what the name implies. They, they're a, a deluxe level of uh, opportunities and as Carl mentioned, uh, sort of a, a more um, attentive or a more a, a comprehensive level of service. Oh, one other thing I wanted to add is... Um... If you're if you're back at the resort by ten o'clock, a lot of people are, or nine o'clock when Magic Kingdom actually closes their doors, is the fireworks. I mean, no matter what resort you're at, on the monorail resorts, you're going to see the fireworks. It's awesome. That's true, and I think we'll talk about that in some more detail as we talk about each of these resorts. Um, so why don't we go ahead and, and start doing that? And and I want to start with the newest of the monorail resorts and begin by talking about the uh, the Grand Floridian. Um, it was uh, added sort of the second wave of resorts at the Walt Disney World property, and um, Eric, I, I think you you're the one who stayed there. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about the Grand Floridian and why in particular uh, the Grand Floridian is a, a good choice? Sure. Um, the Grand Floridian is the what Disney considers the flagship resort there, so sort of the highest level of stuff <laughs> is there, regardless of what that stuff is. Um, it's, uh, the theming is, is actually odd. It's based on a, the Hotel Del Coronado out in California. So um, it's a little odd that it's, you know, built as a, as a Floridian resort, but um, it has uh, the main building, which is uh, pretty big. It's got uh, several outlying buildings and um, fronts onto the, the seven seas lagoon. Right now there's a bunch of construction going on around there because they're putting in something there that, Everybody knows is a DVC property, but um, actually, uh, it's official now. Uh, Claire okay. Claire Bilby did announce it at the DVC member meeting, so uh, I wasn't th- invited to that. So yeah, I, I missed that. But maybe um, maybe yeah. unique among uh, DVC resorts, this one was actually announced before it was fully completed. Um, but in any case, yes, there's construction going on as they build uh, the the grand the DVC at uh, the Grand Floridian. Right, and um, just. To, uh, there are um, you know, several levels available there. You've got um, garden view rooms, you've got um, Magic Kingdom view rooms, and you have uh, various levels of, of concierge or club level rooms there. Um, however much money you have, you can <laughs> get a room there to uh, accommodate your budget. Um, they also have some of the some of the finer restaurants. On, yeah. Uh, 
I, I want to talk. I want to save some of the restaurant discussion because I want to have a, a bit more of a restaurant discussion at the end because I don't think we can really discuss monorail resorts without talking about the dining options. But it is important to note that Grand Floridian probably has more restaurant options in the resort than any other um, Disney resort on property. Um, lots of options, both table service and counter service. Um, and, and taking a step back for a minute, the, the theming for the Grand Floridian is essentially sort of um, that, that grand Victorian style. Um, it always makes me think of Mary Poppins. Yes, and they, they uh, uh, I think, play that up quite a bit. They've got um, all, the, all the folks there are either in uh, sort of three-piece suits or um, sort of knickers and uh, newsy caps um, <laughs> uh, to go along with the themings or uh, sort of long, long dresses. But um, they, they definitely do play into that uh, sort of uh, highbrow Victorian theme, absolutely. And serendipitously, uh, Carl Nixon just booked a trip to the Grand Floridian today. So, Carl, why don't you talk to us a little bit about, you know, what is it that helped you make the choice to uh, book yourself at Grand Floridian? Well, we were we were looking for um, I, I we were looking for a different resort. We've always stayed well. All of our deluxe stays have always been at the um, at the Polynesian. So. Uh, we were looking at the Contemporary, and we were looking at the uh, Grand Floridian, and it seems like the Grand Floridian's rooms are bigger and maybe a little bit, um, it, it just fits for us. Uh, my wife just, my wife and kids love the 1900 Park Fairs where we stayed last time, or where they went last time um, for their character meal, and I don't know, it was just looks good to me. It, it it does have that sort of you know definite feeling of luxury. It's um, designed to reflect that that sort of classic turn of the century Victorian um, luxury style. Uh, yeah, well, the pool. You know, I was looking at the pool too. I mean, I I'm not really into the um, I'm not really into the well. I I have really haven't stayed there yet, so I'm kind of excited on going. So. Um, I'm kind of, I, I'm really stuck on the Polynesian. I hope I enjoy <laughs> myself there. Well, what did you, what did you see about the pool at the Grand Floridian that you found so interesting? Well, I, I just noticed that, you know, it's, it's wide open. They seem to police the, um, the pool hoppers more and it seems more closed off, but wide open and they have that slide. It looks really nice. Okay. Um, I, you know, it, it seemed to me, I always kind of felt like the, the Grand Floridian was a little too frou-frou for me. It was a little too, um, I, I don't know. It, it, I always felt like I was going to break something walking around there, you know? Um, Ab- absolutely. Um, but I, I gotta tell you, if you go there during the holidays, it really humanizes it. Well, um, that, that's exactly what I was just going to say that I spent some time hanging out there, taking pictures, uh, when I was there at the beginning of December, um, at the, at Disney world. And it really, I have a completely different feeling about the Grand Floridian now than I did, um, you know, before that, without even staying at the at the hotel, just um, getting a chance to check it out a little bit, um, spending some time. You know, for the holidays, they've got this you know huge grand gingerbread house and the the 
big open multi-story lobby allows them to have this immense Christmas tree in the middle of the lobby. Um, and it really does warm it up. And, and I noticed some details that I had missed previously. Um, you know, the band that plays on the sort of uh, uh, mezzanine level was really cool. And I just had completely missed it before. Well, every time Christmas... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Ryan. I was going to say, I think a Christmas tree improves any any Disney lobby. It just They all seem to look better at Christmas. Yeah, it just, you know, it seems like every time the monorail stops at the from the Poly to the uh, the Grand Floridian, it seems like you should be asking for Jeeves as you're getting <laughs> off there. It's, uh, I don't know, it just, it, I, I just hope, I hope, I like the laid-back atmosphere of the Poly, so I, I'm kind of nervous about this now. <laughs> well, like I said, I, I really felt like after seeing it, decorated for the holidays and I, I know that that's not when you're going to be there Carl but um, it, it sort of um, it started to sink in a little bit and it didn't feel quite so stuffy um, I did get a chance I explored a little bit uh, the the stores there in the um, in the resort seemed to be larger and better stocked and had more interesting merchandise I thought than um, your typical Disney resort stores even um, so it, it just it it, it was a different atmosphere, but um, it didn't feel nearly as stuffy uh, seeing it again. Well, I'll let you know when I come back, huh? Excellent. We'll be looking forward to that trip report. I'll try anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Your daughter can do another one for us. I don't, she hadn't even completed the last one yet. Uh, well, you got to tell her. You know, it's man law. She's not allowed to go again until she finishes it. <laughs> Uh, well, Eric, before we move on, since you're the one who stayed there, do you want to kind of add anything that we haven't talked about that you think is important about the Grand Floridian? Uh, to allay Carl's fears about uh, how frou-frou it is, um, I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to do too much to to uh, play that down any, but um, it, it is a really nice resort. It's really lovely. Um, the cast members there were all you know, top notch. Um, we saw, I think a total of five wedding parties while we were there, uh, um, in various stages of, of getting married. Um, but, uh, you know, it's got a lot to, re- to recommend it. it. It is really nice. It is, uh, I think where Disney tries to put its best face forward, uh, toward the guests, they do just a little bit extra there. Um, which you know, can make it seem a little uh, a little stodgy, I think, at times. But like I said, it, at the holiday times, it it really uh, humanized it to have you know the gingerbread house there, and uh, the Christmas decorations up, and you know, the band playing Christmas Christmas music while uh, uh, while you're in the lobby, um, and you know it's got uh, it's got the benefit of being one monorail stop from the Magic Kingdom if. Uh, if you're looking for that kind of convenience, but um, I think Eric, that, that's that's my sell job in a nutshell. Eric, have you have you walked back? Have you walked to the Magic Kingdom from uh, the Grand Floridian? You cannot do it. So there's there, no there's way a, you can do it at all. There, there's a channel of water that uh, comes in from the side uh, into the Seven Seas Lagoon. Uh, kind of, I guess about 
nine o'clock if you're looking at uh, if you're at the poly looking across at the castle um, and at the castle is at, at 12 o'clock all right over at nine o'clock there's a channel that that comes through um, into the seven seas lagoon and therefore you you cannot walk um, without getting very wet and possibly <laughs> eaten by an alligator so uh, it, it's best not to try uh, <laughs> Um, I, I, one thing I, I, before we go away from the Grand Floridian, cause I think it really is one of the things that speaks for it and maybe we'll save the detail for the end, but, um, the, the restaurants at, at the Grand Floridian include, um, you know, Victorian Albert's, which is you know, the signature restaurant of, of Walt Disney World. And uh, amazing. uh, and you're going to have to help me make sure I get all of these correct. Uh, so we got Victorian Albert's, um, Citrico's is there. Narcusis is there. Yes. Uh, the Grand Floridian Cafe is there. Yes. And those are all table service dining. And 1900 and, Park Fair, which is a buffet. And a character and a character meal. Yes. Plus, there's the uh, Gasparilla Grill uh, uh, counter service. Yes. Is there anything I'm forgetting? Uh, uh, uh with the exception of Misner's Lounge, which you, you can get some food there, but uh. It's it's a bar right uh, right. right across from um, the uh, the Citrico's slash Victorian Alberts section there right so so I count six restaurants and uh, you know as we all know Diz Dads like to eat you can't downplay the fact that it's an awfully nice convenience to stay in a resort where you can choose from what I count to be six restaurants right there you know in your lobby. Absolutely. I'm, I mean, getting into Victorian Alberts is not an easy thing to do, um, for one thing. So it's not one of those things where you can, you know, if you wake up one morning and feel like it while you're on your vacation, say, let's go over there and see if we can get a table. It's just not going to happen. But, uh, but all the others were, uh, are easier to get into, if not easy to get into. Right. Uh, of course, the, the counter service is, you know, open all the time. It actually is open all the time. It's a twenty-four hour counter service restaurant, which is which is also nice. Um, and I but, think but it, yeah. it it may be one of only one or two of those on the entire property. Yeah, I believe Captain Cooks is too um, in the at the Poly, but uh, but yeah, I, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. Yes, Captain Cook is is um, twenty-four hour. It's kind of limited though at, after ten o'clock. Um, all right, so let's let's move on then, um, and just go ahead and, and talk about the next resort, kind of a, a, along the the circle here, um, and and talk about Disney's Contemporary Resort. Um, it's one of the original resorts to the property. Um, it's famous for the being the resort that the monorail runs through, um, but. It's more than just uh, the hotel with a monorail tunnel in it. Um, and uh, Ryan, I, I think you, you're the one who stayed most recently at the Contemporary. Um, what can you tell us about the, the Contemporary Resort? What makes it a, a great choice um, when you're choosing a resort at Walt Disney World? We chose the Contemporary um, primarily for convenience. We were there for a marathon weekend. And so when you have to get somewhere at 3.30 in the morning... 
uh, the monorail is definitely the way to go. Getting on a bus is, is not what you want to do. Uh, so, so that was uh, the main reason that we picked it. Uh, we, we looked at all the monorail resorts, and, and the Contemporary was uh, the cheapest when, when we were doing our booking. Um, we really liked the restaurants uh, in the resort. We, we enjoyed waves, down, waves downstairs, um, and we also really enjoyed the pool. We had a good time with that, even though it was January. So, Okay. Uh, and Eric, I believe you stayed at the Contemporary as well? Yeah, I actually stayed over in uh, Bay Lake Tower. I rented points uh, for the the DVC. Uh, it was actually a studio DVC room over in Bay Lake Tower. Uh, so it's uh, all the services are actually over in um, the main building. So there's really not a lot in that in that tower except for the rooms and the the lounge at the top. But um, but yeah, it, it's um, um, sorry. Yeah, That's all right. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's definitely got a, a, a convenience factor for getting over to the Magic Kingdom because, as I was saying before, uh, you can walk out of your room and you're over you know, a 10 minute walk away from being at the gate for the Magic Kingdom. And and that one you really can't overstate the convenience, uh, especially you know as we were talking about in our last podcast when you've got a small child, you know if you've got to get a kid back for a nap or you've got a kid that's fallen asleep in a stroller, there's really something to be said for being able to just you know walk across from the Magic Kingdom to your resort in ten minutes and not have to worry about breaking down a stroller to get on a bus or uh, you know jostle your way onto a, a monorail car. Um, to get a kid back for a, an afternoon nap. Yes, but I can tell you from experience that that walk with a 35-pound child is not the easiest thing to do at the end <laughs> of the day at the Magic Kingdom. Yes, the child in arms is a different story. And um, let's talk about some of the unique features of the Contemporary in addition to its uh, proximity to the Magic Kingdom. Um so we've already talked a little bit. Ryan mentioned um, the Wave, uh, which is the sort of most recently updated of uh, the restaurants at, at the Contemporary. I actually ate there this past December, um, and maybe we'll talk in more detail about that when we talk restaurants at the end. Um, but there are there's more than just the Wave at the Contemporary. Um, there's also one of the most popular character meals on property at uh, the Contemporary, which is Chef Mickey's. And uh, you've also got the Contempo Cafe, uh, casual dining, uh, quick serve. Um, am I leaving something out? I keep thinking there's something else I should be mentioning in terms of... Uh, California Grill. Oh, how can I forget? And the California Grill, uh, which is a signature restaurant um, at the top of the uh, the main tower of the Contemporary Resort. Um, and the, the last thing is, you know, we, we, we talked a little bit about views, but, um, that view really is one of the big selling points of, um, the Contemporary Resort. Uh, I don't know, Ryan, what, what was your sense of, you know, the, the view from, from the Contemporary? It, it depends on where you are. So sure. we were actually in a garden wing room, so we were facing, 
facing away from Magic Kingdom in one of the lower rooms is actually not in the main building, uh, which is one of the reasons why it was a lot less expensive. Uh, sure. When we initially booked, we didn't even realize that they had Garden Wing rooms um, <laughs> until our, our uh, travel agent said, you guys do realize you're not in the main building. Um, so, so, But when you actually get into the main building, there's that bridge that goes between the Contemporary and the Bay Lake Towers on, I guess, the second or third floor. And the view from there is spectacular. And there's actually an external staircase on the outside of the contemporary that you can go up and they pipe the music in there as well, uh, where where you can watch the fireworks from. And that's the view there is phenomenal. Um, I'm I'm assuming it's the same view as if you had a had a room on that side of the building. Sure, sure. Um, and you know the, that's an actually interesting point to remember about the contemporary is that the availability of those garden wing rooms can make the contemporary by a relatively significant margin um, the most affordable of the monorail resorts. Um, Those garden wing rooms are priced more in line with, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, more in line with rooms at um, the uh, Wilderness Lodge or Animal Kingdom Lodge as opposed to uh, the Polynesian and the the Grand Floridian. Yeah, and and that's what uh, what sold the resort for us was that we could get there, be in a monorail resort, and and pay the same price we would pay for a deluxe that didn't have the same same access to to everything else. And now the flip side of that is that I you know I I priced out a, a trip for somebody the other day at. Uh, at the the contemporary and the upcharge for the theme park view from the standard view, even in the tower, not in a garden room, uh, was like seven hundred and fifty dollars. So there is a beautiful view, but they do they do make sure you pay for it. Yep. <laughs> um. Anybody want to talk a little bit about their sort of overall impressions of uh, the Contemporary Resort? Well, one thing I would say is um, if you make a reservation at California Grill, I mean, if it's whenever they're open, no matter, you know, for dinner, of course, um, you can leave and then come back, even though you, if you had a reservation at five, and get on the rooftop observation and watch the fireworks. That's a great tip. Um, yeah, just keep your receipt and they'll, they'll let you take, there's a private elevator that only travels between the the lobby and the California grill. And, uh, you can, you can take that elevator up and and go out onto that observation deck. Um, but they will check for your receipt. Yeah, we do that every year. We, we, my wife and I, we leave the kids and, um, have a nice dinner there. And then we go and, uh, watch the fireworks off the observation decks. It's absolutely gorgeous. Okay. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I guess in terms of overall atmosphere, if, if you want to say the Grand Floridian is sort of turn of the century Victorian, I, the contemporary is, is a little harder to pin down, but it seems, it, my impression is that it's, it's sort of, uh, you know, mid-1970s contemporary. Yeah, it's almost like Tomorrowland's view of the future. This is uh, the Tomorrowland view of, of contemporary, where they weren't able to keep up and have it be out in the future. So it's a historical view of what they thought the future could be like. <laughs> I think that's the, a good way to put it. History as it was. Yeah. Well, it's sort of, sort of like, uh, you know, what do they say about, about Hollywood studios, the Hollywood that never was, um, you know, the, the future that never was, 
or the contemporary that never was um, at the contemporary resort. If you if you walk through both if you walk through the contemporary and Bay Lake, it's it's interesting to look at one resort and then look at the other because you can see that that Bay Lake Tower is actually kind of what the contemporary could be now. Um, I mean, because it is actually a very contemporary resort and. The theming in the rooms is is great. There are a lot of neat little features, even even in the regular contemporary rooms, and the rooms seem to be very large. That's true, and and one of the things about uh, the contemporary design approach is that that sort of contemporary minimalism does give that feeling of space, um, which you know on a week long vacation can can be really nice. Um, one of the things that strikes me about the contemporary is that that the having the monorail run through it seems to um, make it, and, and maybe it's because I wasn't staying at the resort, just kind of visiting or passing through. Um, but it makes to, made to me the, the, the public areas of the contemporary seem much more confusing um, because the, the lobby area is so sort of broken up and multi-leveled. Did anybody else feel that way? Have you ridden that um, escalator? Yeah, exactly. It, it's also, the, it, I think it may also be the only deluxe resort that doesn't have a big open lobby area because yeah. because the way it's divided up, it's very small inside in the lobby. Yeah, it, it felt more crowded than it was. Yeah. When you have a lot of people trying to check in, it gets it it, it adds to that to that feeling. Yeah, well, and, and interestingly, you know, waiting to be seated at the Wave, so sitting down near where the check-in desk was, that part didn't feel crowded at all. But the area um, sort of on the level in between check-in and the monorail, where the stores and things are, and Chef Mickey's is, that area is what felt really sort of broken up and congested. You have this big, those two big support towers, I guess, in the center that are painted, that that really divides the space up, so you don't see easily from one side to the other, do you? No, you don't really at all. Um, yeah, and that may have been part of it. Um, but we should mention that the other thing about the contemporary, and you know, as I rip on its design up and down, <laughs> I feel a little bad about that because it also has that wonderful Mary Blair mural. Yep. Um, which is probably one of my favorite, uh, you know, art pieces in any of the the monorail resorts. Has everybody looked for the five-legged goat? Yep. I think we have a picture of it somewhere. Excellent. Oh, that's right. Did you did you post that one to the to the Diz Dad's uh, website? I, I don't think I did. Somebody else must have posted it, but uh, we took a picture of it while we were there. We spent the time looking for that and hidden, the hidden Mickeys that are in, in, uh, in the painting. Okay. Yeah. Now, and, and I do have to give the contemporary credit for that as well. I think that they do a, a really nice job with the hidden Mickeys. You can really occupy a kid's afternoon uh, looking around for hidden Mickeys in that lobby. I don't know if all the deluxe resorts ha have this, and this is kind of a sidetrack back to the room thing, but one of the things that, that we really liked about it was that the way that you could segment off the bathroom, that you had kind of the sink and tub area, and then there was another door for for the uh, for the toilet area. And I don't remember if our rooms in the other deluxe resorts had that same multi-door approach. 
the uh, the Polynesian did. Okay. I think. think Wilderness. Grand Florian does too. Okay. Okay. Yeah, actually, now that I come to think about it, it, yeah, they do. They all, all the deluxes do because um, it's one of the differences as you move up. The barrier gets gets more permanent the okay. the, the higher up the scale you go, um, from the little curtains in the in the value resorts to the you know two separate doors in the um, deluxe. All right, so before we move on to, to um, the Polynesian, I want to take a moment here, and we're going to put Carl Nixon on the hot spot. He's been on the podcast a couple of times before, but he's not yet been a victim of 10 questions. So, uh, Carl, please take the hot seat. All right, I'm ready. All right, uh, where do you live, and what do you do for a living? I live in Philadelphia, and I'm a building superintendent of a high-rise apartment building. Describe your family. Um, I'm a father of five. I have two grown, 22, 23-year-old, and I have three teens, two girls and one boy. And what is your favorite off-the-beaten-path location at Walt Disney World? I would say I like the quiet spot, so I would say Epcot and the, the pathway going to International Gateway. Very nice. Um, what is your least favorite place at Walt Disney World? Let's see. I, least favorite place. Um, it, it would probably be downtown Disney because of all the changes that they've done there. Okay. Yeah, talk about that for a second. What is it that you don't like about the the new version of downtown Disney? Or, or maybe what is it that you miss? It, it it seems like it's become more commercial, and it's like they want everyone there to, to buy things. Transportation there and back has always been really difficult. And they eliminated PI, which is, you know, the entertainment for the adults. Okay. Good. Uh, thank you. Good, good explanation. Um, who is your favorite animated Disney character? I think uh, my favorite would be Stitch because of his uh, innocent mischief that he puts out. What song, what, sorry, what sound or noise do you love? The soundtrack to Space Mountain. That's, I love that soundtrack. What sound or noise do you hate? Uh, I, I don't think I have, I, I don't think I have any noises that I hate at Disney. I enjoy them all. Okay. Uh, what career other than your own would you like to attempt? I I I don't really uh, haven't really thought about it. I don't really have anything that I would probably want to do besides what I do now. I love my job. Maybe maybe a, a travel consultant. You know, be able to to go some go places and then uh, tell people how they are. Okay. Um, what job would you not like to do? I definitely would not want to be a trash truck driver like the big trash truck. <laughs> I don't blame you in the least. Um, if you could be a Disney cast member for a year and just for one year, what job would you want to do? I don't know if it's um, I don't know if it's uh, a, a Disney job, but um, I'd probably want to be an airport greeter for Magical Express because they're um, they see everyone at their best. They're excited. They can't wait to get to Disney, 
and they see them briefly. <laughs> Excellent answer. Well, thank you very much, Carl. You have uh, completed your term on the hot seat, and uh, thank you very much. Oh, thank you, sir. All right, uh, so back to the issues at hand. Um, wanted to talk now about the Polynesian Resort. Um, it, uh, it tied with the Contemporary for favorite monorail resort in our recent uh, DizDads.com poll. And um, Carl, who just jumped off the hot seat, is uh, sort of our, our Polynesian pro. Uh, he's had, uh, what, I believe, what, three or four stays there? Uh, five to five stays there. Five. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so what is it that makes the Polynesian your favorite resort? Uh, when, when you step off the bus, I mean, you get a, you, you, it seems like you get transferred to a tourist Hawaiian resort. Um, it's a whole different, quiet, calm, subdued place. Uh, first thing you see is, is these beautiful Hawaiian girls. They give you lays and, um, you're welcomed and you're brought in and you're, you're pointed to the area you need to go to. Um, they may, they have multiple modes of transportation to, I mean, you can walk to the, uh, TTC and grab the monorail to Epcot, or you can grab a boat to magic kingdom, or you can grab the monorail to magic kingdom. Um, I, I really like the subdued, subdued, um, atmosphere of the Polynesian. Okay. Uh, anybody else? Uh, what it is that, that they like, what it is about the Polynesian that, that makes it a good choice? Uh, I'll echo the, uh, the transportation options. It's, we've stayed in, in the uh, uh, Tahiti building twice, and that's down toward uh, the TTC. And so it makes getting basically anywhere in the greater uh, Magic Kingdom, Epcot area very easy to do. And uh, you've got options there. So if monorail's not working so well that day, uh, you can catch the launch over to the Magic Kingdom. It's one hop away on the launch. You could take uh, the ferry over from the TTC. It, it just gives you a lot of options. Um, and also, Dole Whips are there. So <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Hey, on resort, uh, on resort Dole Whips at Captain Cook's, 24 hours, you know, that's, that's hard to beat. Well, the other thing that I really, really like, and I'm going to put myself out there, and, and I hope uh, people don't listen to this, but <laughs> uh, the head-on view of the castle for Wishes is absolutely amazing. You're over the water, and um, you're looking straight at the castle, and the fireworks are coming off right behind the castle. It's just gorgeous. Yeah, it really is a spectacular view, and, and I want to kind of build on that a little bit and say that one of the things that to me really sets the Polynesian apart is the the landscaping and the ground the grounds there. Um, I just think that they are a, a step above um, what you see generally at the other deluxe resorts. It, it really does play on the uh, sort of Polynesian theme with the, their very... Uh, lush plant life along the, the walking paths, um, the beach area, you know, there's a, a sandy beach, but there's also sort of a, a grassy area too. So you, you don't immediately jump into the sand. Um, and it just adds to that relaxed atmosphere, that um, sort of oceanside resort feel that I, I don't think you get as much 
even at the Contemporary and the Grand Floridian, which also front on the water. Um, but uh, they just seem to, the it seems to fit better um, at the Polynesian. And, also, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, also, go ahead. At night, um, the, the torches are burning. It's just, I mean, they have uh, tiki torches everywhere, and they're, it's, it's just... It's it's just sublime. Well, and that's exactly the kind of thing I'm talking about. Is that it's that extra level of detail, um, the tiki torches, the hammocks that are just sort of randomly strung, um, the fact that the design of the of the resort is different. So you've got the longhouses instead of a more traditional hotel structure, and so if you're on a ground floor room, you've got a a sliding glass door that you can you know walk straight out into the grounds. Um, you've got if you don't want to walk out there, you 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 know open the the curtain and you have this gorgeous view of the grounds, even if you don't have a theme park view. Um, and it really is inviting. Um, I, we just really enjoyed it, and and I know that um, some other people who have young kids really like it because you can kind of let the kids you know out that back door and can, they can play in that grassy area right there next to your longhouse you can see them through the glass you don't you know it, it's it's um family friendly in that way and and relaxed in a way that being in a high-rise hotel building just isn't oh the I, one thing i did notice about the poly i mean you were talking about the little ones I, I don't see a lot of teenagers like um, if you were staying at some other the other resorts um, like All Star. There's not a lot of rip raff and teenagers running around, and um, it seems like it's more uh, husband and wife and little ones and um, or husband and wife alone. It 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 just seems to me it's a lot more laid back. I mean, it's, it's really really like it. Now. By the same token, you know there are, are critics to the the uh, to the Polynesian who say, you know, it also feels more like a motel than it does like a deluxe resort. Sometimes um, that it doesn't seem to, you know, that that having the longhouses like that means that you've got to walk outside to go to the lobby of the hotel which you don't have to do, generally speaking, at either the Grand Floridian or the Contemporary. Um, and so, you know, there, there are some drawbacks um, as well. And I guess you just have, kind of have to weigh what what's more important to you and, and what um, atmosphere it is that, that you're looking for. Well, those people are incorrect, though, Aaron. <laughs> um, first off, uh, the Grand Floridian has several buildings outside of the main building. So... Um, they're in the same straits as the Polynesian. Right. Uh, but, but, but to be fair at the Polynesian, you can't stay in the great, in the great ceremonial house. So that's true. Yeah. So everybody has to do that walk. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say the poly is for everyone. I, I hear a lot of people complaining that it's dated or, um, I, I think it's because of the paint and the way, you know, the, the muted colors that they use. Um, a lot of people complain that it's dated. It's it's not like the Grand Floridian, I guess you could say. Well, the last time the rooms were uh, refurbed in the Poly was 2005, and I think the other resorts have been updated more recently. So I think that's one of the the reasons why people might have made the the comments about it seeming seeming dated. Do you, do you think maybe they were they do that because of the uh, they're trying to maintain integrity of the um, the actual 
the poly itself? Or I mean, why do you think that they didn't refurb? <laughs> well, maybe this is where we have, we get into the the rumors that have been swirling about the Polynesian. What what are those rumors, Aaron? Uh, well, normally on this podcast we don't spend a lot of time on on rumor, but uh, it does seem apropos to this topic. Um, and essentially, what there's there's this building sense that um, you know the Polynesian is way overdue for refurbs, and there seems to be a general schedule of refurbishment that runs you know about every five years and the Polynesian is falling behind that schedule. Um, and the speculation is that they're stalling because they need to do some really, really major renovations at the Polynesian. Um, one of the things about the resorts that are, are were built um, early on, especially the contemporary and the Polynesian, um, is that this was all new and they were building on swampland. And the siting of these resorts was tricky because you're dealing with a man-made, you know, man-made bodies of water and Florida soil. And so, you know, for example, one of the reasons that the, uh, the, one of the original planned resorts wasn't built is because they went out to, to drop test pylons and they just disappeared. Um, you know, they never stopped. <laughs> um, they, they couldn't, they couldn't hit bedrock. So, um, what that leads to is speculation that, um, the Polynesian is having some settling issues. Um, and I know that in the last 10 years or so, they've done some work on some of the longhouses as part of the refurbs to try and, and do some, um, you know, remediation for settling. Uh, and there's also been talk that the Grand Sir, Great Ceremonial House in particular uh, may need some fairly major renovations, um, at least partially due to the likely presence of asbestos. So um, the the speculation has run everything from, you know, they're going to have to tear down Great Ceremonial House and rebuild it from scratch to uh, the possibility that the entire resort may have to close for a period of time and be totally taken down and rebuilt from scratch. That would most definitely upset a lot of people. <laughs> you know, the the question is what they would do with it when they rebuilt it. Um and I know that I speculated on our blog, you know, one, one possibility would be to, you know, yeah, go ahead, level it if they have to, to, you know, fix the, the structural problems. I'd rather they redo it right. Um, but they can still rebuild the longhouses the same way they built them. I mean, that's what gives the Polynesian its identity. Um, but by the same token, a chance to start over means an opportunity to do some things with the great ceremonial house that they might not have had the, uh, you know, opportunity or technology to do at the time that they built it in the first place. Um, and one thought might be to take some, uh, theming cues from, uh, the, the actual Hawaiian resort that Disney built, uh, at Alani and, uh, apply some of the, the, 
you know, take their design cues from the high rise at Alani and make a grand, a great ceremonial house that's more along the lines of a Hawaiian high rise, um, which would give them some additional space. Perhaps they could put DVC property in a, in a tower building like that. And, um, it would give them room to, to expand restaurants, to have more uh, retail space. It, it would, it would provide them a lot more flexibility than the great ceremony house as it is. And as long as it stayed in roughly the same footprint, they could still back it up to the monorail and have the monorail stop there. Yeah, that makes sense. It's just that if they made a lot of changes, it wouldn't, I, I, it would not be good. I don't think. Yeah. It's one of the original resorts. There's, I think uh, a little bit it's incumbent upon them to do a little bit more, I think, to, to help preserve that history. Um, oh, but, I understand if it's going to sink into the ground, then there's well, a problem, but it's been there for 40 years. <laughs> well, but, and, but, but remember that the same thing can be said of the contemporary and they, you know, put Bay Lake tower there. And left the contemporary just the way it was, except for, tearing down one of the wings but to make room for it, well know. this is what i'm <laughs> saying <laughs> okay, but i think leveling the place is is uh it, it's a it, it takes it up to a higher standard i think for uh for what you need to do to and i'm sure i'm sure they're aware of that though i'm sure they're aware of the 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 sentimentality that a lot of people have towards it and so if they were going to do anything that drastic there would probably be a reason there would be a reason that you know it it couldn't be saved because i don't think it's something where they would tear down the great ceremonial house just to 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 make it more like alani it would have to be something's going on i mean they i think the the asbestos rumors do make sense because they did have to pull asbestos out of the longhouses uh, but they did that in 2002 uh, and it looks like they didn't do anything to this great ceremonial house at that point. So it was probably, if it was built at the same time, it was probably built with the same materials. And so um, they'd likely have to do something similar to it. Yeah, see, my guess is that it's it's sort of a domino effect because here's my guess. Uh, my guess is that, that there's some settling issues at great ceremonial house that will require them to do enough construction work that it's considered major construction and a bunch of new ADA compliance regulations kick in. Well, one of the things that to me is most obvious about the the Great Ceremonial House's uh, Americans with Disabilities Act issues is that those elevators don't comply. They're too small. Well, as soon as you bust open the elevators, I can almost guarantee you that that elevator shaft is lined with asbestos. But it's currently considered encapsulated because there's no public access to it. But once you open up those elevator bays to redo the elevators, now you have exposed asbestos. So now you've got to rip all that stuff out. You've got to do remediation. And I don't know if any of you have ever been involved in an asbestos remediation project, but it ain't pretty. <laughs> Yeah, that's my building. Same yeah. exact same thing. It's not pretty and it's not cheap. And it just seems to me that that once they got to that stage, it might actually be more economically feasible to just, you know, clear the area, tent it, level it, and bury it. And then build on the fill. <laughs> hmm.
but again, that's pure speculation. Um, the I, I probably wouldn't even have been you know speculating it at all or talking about it, except that the what I would consider one of the biggest you know authorities on the goings on of the of the Polynesian, um, the the man who goes by the uh, internet moniker of Tiki Man, um, and writes the Tiki Man Pages uh, website, uh, speculated similarly that um, it just looks like a lot of things that they've been, you know, holding at bay for as long as they can are are sort of coming to a head. And it's just a matter of biting the bullet and, you know, dealing with the fact that they might just have to close the resort for a year or so um, while they do the work that they have to do to get it back up to where it needs to be. I think I'd sleep in the hammock. <laughs> I, I mean, I love, I love the poly. It's so beautiful. I think, I think you know, to, to move to a happier subject, I think that, you know, the hammock that you just mentioned, Carl, I think is one of the big difference between, you know, watching the fireworks at the Contemporary to watching the fireworks at, at the poly. At the poly, you can sit on the beach in a hammock, whereas at the Contemporary, you're, you know, on a concrete balcony with with a guard with a guardrail in front of you it's just not quite the they're, they're two completely different experiences that's true that's very true and and before we leave the the polynesian too we, we do need to mention since we mentioned them uh in the other resorts and and there's reason to mention them um the restaurants at the polynesian are are some good choices as well um and in fact you know the the polynesian offers uh, a couple of sit-down options uh, ohana and kona cafe but offers perhaps the most variety in terms of um, counter service options f- uh, as opposed to the, the other uh, monorail resorts because not only do you have the 24-hour Captain Cook's, but you've also got the sushi bar um, upstairs, which has been a, a really nice addition and is really good, really good sushi. Agreed. Yeah, I, I agree as well. It's really, really done professionally. It's beautiful, and it's good. Um, which which I think gives us a nice transition to uh, what I wanted to do with sort of the last segment um, of, of this podcast, and that is that, you know, once you start talking about these deluxe resorts, you really have to include discussion um, of the, the restaurant options um, because – it really is one of the things that sets these deluxe resorts apart is that you have these wonderful sit down meal experiences. Um, every one of these monorail resorts has a character meal experience that's, that's an available. Um, every single one of them has, uh, at least two quality sit down meal opportunities. And so what I wanted to do is just kind of go around and have, uh, everybody pick, Let's just call it their uh, two favorite sit-down meals on the on the monorail and your favorite uh, counter service on the monorail. Uh, so, um, Eric, I'm going to throw you to the Lions first, since you've actually stayed at all three of the resorts, okay. um, and have you pick your one of one of your two favorite sit-down meals uh, along the monorail. Uh, Victorian Albert is amazing. So I, it's a uh... It's just an incredible experience. It really is. And and when people cringe at that bill, what do you say? Um, you've been eating amazing food for four and a half hours, and uh, it's probably worth it. 
<laughs> I would say that uh, we, my my wife and I both did the wine pairing with our dinner, and uh, at ten courses, you can probably split one wine pairing, and that'll keep the bill down a little bit. Just a helpful hint for anybody who's going there. Okay. Uh, you might want to split the wine pairing. How if about you want to walk out of the restaurant? <laughs> How about you, Ryan? Give us one of your favorite sit-down meal experiences on the monorail. Ohana. Meat. Lots of meat. I, I, I don't see how you could argue with that. It's great. Love the shrimp there and like the experience. It's very, very good. And Carl, how about you? Uh, most definitely the California Grill. It's, it's, uh, it's a cherished place for my wife and I. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm stuck here because I'm going to find myself repeating, but um, I, I'm also a huge fan of Ohana, um, not just because, you know, being a, a guy, meat on a, meat on a stick is always a good choice, but because one of the nice things about Ohana is it's sort of a reverse buffet. You know, it's, it's like buffet food, but they bring it to your table for you. And it's so much easier to uh, manage with two kids than a buffet where you're trying to you know, help juggle their plates and things. Um, luckily, my daughter is a little older now and she can handle it herself. But, you know, the first time we were there, uh, having to, to juggle your own buffet plate and the kids' buffets, it just made it harder to enjoy a meal. And at Ohana, it's all brought to you and everybody can find something they enjoy. Um, so, Eric, why don't you share us uh, another uh, another monorail restaurant favorite? Sure. I'll go right next to Victorian Albert's to Citrico's. They have a, a really lovely dining area. It's bright, open, airy, and they have a fantastic menu. I, I really enjoy the food there. All right. And uh, Ryan, your second choice. I'm going to go with 1900 Park Fair, and not so much for the food, but more for the character experience. The The interaction with the Wicked Stepsisters and the Wicked Stepmother was phenomenal. It was the best character interaction we had, that, that our kids had with any of the characters at any character meal. Um, they remembered our kids' names. They came back to the table over and over again and talked and interacted with them, uh, and that totally made the experience for us. All right, and uh, Carl, your second choice? Uh, I'm going to have to say dinner with my cousins at the Ohana. <laughs> now, has anybody done the Ohana breakfast with Lilo and Stitch? Yep. I do that every every time we go as well. It's uh, my wife and I, of course. My kids, it's hard to get them out of bed. <laughs> and what's your favorite part of the, the breakfast at Ohana? Oh, the the food is <clears throat> the food is actually really good. Um, and my wife has to get a picture with Mickey every time we go. <laughs> Um, all right, and, and, and then I'm going to add as, uh, as my other uh, monorail favorite, a new one, um, I'm going to add the Wave at the Contemporary. Um, I was really impressed. We ate there uh, this, this last December trip, and it's, you know, it's hard to categorize. I don't know that I could eat there with, with the kids because um, the menu is a, a little uh, different. But that's what I like about it as an adult. Uh, I think a lot of the Disney restaurant menus have become more generic of late. And I, I like that the Wave still seems to have some unique uh, options. I had a terrific um, uh, uh, braised, um, uh, I had a terrific braised short rib that was really good, uh, really flavorful. Um, they didn't skimp on spices like you sometimes find at Disney restaurants. And hard to beat an organic beer sampler. 
which was a terrific value. It was, I think, less than eight bucks for a, a sampler of three different uh, local organic beers. Aaron, is that is that a healthy um, is that a healthy restaurant or is it um, all organic or I, I, that's it, what I heard. It, it is all organic. I, I don't know that I would call it a health food restaurant. I mean, I you know I had a, a plenty uh, flavorful, so you know they didn't get rid of all the the good fat that you need to get flavor into food. Um, uh, really good flavorful short ribs, um, you know steaks on the menu. Um, I really was impressed, uh, and I, I think I had that same impression that maybe it was a little too, um, you know, I didn't. Was it's not a health food restaurant? I guess is the way I would put it. It is uh, a focus on organic food. Um, you know, I think they try and do a little more local sourcing, um, and I think that that those are good things, particularly in the environment of Disney restaurants where you know they're feeding so many people such massive quantities. Um, something that makes the menu a little bit unique means that they're probably getting somewhat limited um, quantities and, and therefore maybe getting uh, a better, uh, you know, pick of, pick of the, the quality produce and, and quality ingredients that because they don't have to share it with so many other restaurants. Well, maybe I'll make an ADR there. I, I, my goal is to gain at least five pounds while I'm on vacation. So <laughs> I, I, maybe I will make a make a reservation there. I, I wanted to try it, but I was kind of afraid of uh, of the healthy part of it. No, nah, no reason to be afraid of it. And, and, you know, the beer was as healthy as any other beer. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, Carl, why don't, why don't you share your favorite um counter service in uh, along the monorail uh captain cooks uh I, I like the way it's set up you the screen's there you order what you want and you get a ticket you go around and pay and then you grab your food it's um quite um efficient in ordering and it's not as you know you're not standing in line basically is what i'm trying to say and the food is really it's pretty good my my i can't keep my kids away from it how about you eric what's your favorite counter service along the monorail well, Carl is exactly right that it is Captain Cook's. Um, they're strong across the entire day. You can get Mickey Waffles there in the morning. You can get the flatbreads there. And, of course, the Dole Whips. Cannot forget the Dole Whips. And how about you, Ryan, your favorite counter service along the monorail? I've only eaten at one, which is a Contempo Cafe. It has the touchscreens that, that Carl mentioned before. I think they're, they're rolling that out broader across the parks. But uh, it was good. I think I need to to make a trip over to Captain Cook's, though, when I'm down there next week. I've heard good things. What did you have at the Contempo? I've heard good things about their flatbreads. Uh, we ate there probably three or four times during the, the la- our last trip there, but I can't – nothing stood out enough that I actually remember it. Okay. Other than dealing with the flat screens like the first day when I was very tired and trying to explain everything to other people in our party. <laughs> Well, I'm going to choose Captain Cook's as well, but I'm going to choose it for a reason that nobody's mentioned yet. And this is is my favorite trick from our last family trip to Walt Disney World. And this is the trick. I love Tonga Toast, but I hate breakfast ADRs because I just want to be able to, you know, wake up, get a quick meal and get to the park in the morning. So here's the trick. You can get Tonga Toast at Captain Cook's. So you can come to, you know, you could even go and, and park, you know, for the Magic Kingdom. But then instead of jumping 
a monorail or a, a boat to go to the Magic Kingdom, go on the other direction and take the resort monorail back to uh, the Polynesian, go down to Captain Cook's, get your Tonga Toast fix, and then head back to the park. You're absolutely right, Aaron. I, I, you know, I didn't even think about that. You don't have to stand in line in Kona to get your uh, your Tonga Toast. That's right, and it's it's the the budget version. It's the same exact Tonga Toast. Um, the one down downside, and I, I have to admit that this is a challenge. Um, the one downside is that it's difficult to eat Tonga Toast with plastic fork and knife. <laughs> Just bring your own next time. It's tempting. Um, you know, the metal silverware at Kona makes it much easier, but uh, it's cheaper at Captain Cook's, and and it's a, a much quicker meal. My kids think you're supposed to eat it with your fingers. Uh, you know, I have to admit that I resorted to that a bit, and um, I have to say that it was probably a good choice. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, um, does anybody else have anything else that they feel like they need to add about uh, monorail resorts? Oh, something you didn't mention was the spirit of Aloha at um, Oha- at uh, Polly. That's a good point. Let's make sure that we do um, mention that that there are some unique uh, opportunities at, at each of the resorts. Um, you know, I think that the the Grand Floridian, you know, Victorian Alberts is really its its unique signature uh, offering. Um, the contemporary, you know, California Grill and and the fireworks, the special fireworks viewing that you can return for, probably consider its its special offering. And the Polynesian offers. Uh, one of the two long-standing Disney World dinner shows, uh, the Spirit of Aloha show, and and Carl, I think you've done the the show most recently. Why don't you talk just a minute about the Spirit of Aloha show? Yeah, um, it's kind of a corny thing. My wife and and the girls dress up in their Hawaiian dresses, and we do this every year. And um, they have a picture as you go in, and um, that's something we keep, of course. the The meal is is okay the show is is kind of corny but i we, we really enjoy it because it's it's something that we do every year um service is always it's always you know it, it's it's family style and um we always have a good time though and the spirit of aloha show is a little bit of history i mean it was developed initially for the grand opening and people liked it so much they just kept the show around um so it's it's sort of a, a piece of of disney world history uh and a, an interesting and fun experience um and it's right there next to the uh, polynesian resort served by the same kitchen that serves uh ohana and uh and uh kona all right Anybody else have anything else they need to, they feel like we should add? We didn't talk about the water parade. Oh, yes. Those resorts have. That's a good point. Please do. So, uh, there is a, an electrical type parade that they have out on the seven seas lagoon that, that goes in front of all those resorts in the evening. So I know our kids had a fun time going out and watching it, uh, when we were down there. Yeah, you know, the the electrical water pageant is one of those things that when I first read about it and this that's another it's another piece of Walt Disney World history. It's one of the things that was developed for the grand opening that it was really only supposed to, you know, be there to wow the guests for the grand opening, but it went so well, it's still going. 
Um, and I, I, when I first heard about it, I figured, oh, what the heck? It's just going to be some, you know, whatever plywood cutouts. I, I was I was prepared to be massively underwhelmed. And I have to tell you that I love the electrical water pageant that, you know, I was really disappointed that, that I missed it one night uh, on this last trip and I was just a little bit late for it. Um, you know, it's a terrific sort of warm up for uh, the opportunity to, to view the Magic Kingdom fireworks in the distance. Yep. My, my kids are teenagers and believe it or not, they run down to the beach to watch that show. It's, it's, it, it's great. Yeah, I mean, as as old school as it is, and as basic the technology is, it still just gets me. It's it's you know, it's beautiful. The music goes along with it nicely, and it just it's one of those things that makes me really feel like I'm in Disney World. You know. Yeah, and and if you're not staying at the resorts, I mean, it's going to be really hard to see unless you go down go to Magic Kingdom, go down to the water. And, you know, when it's coming, you don't want to be down at the water because right after that, you have to have your spot to watch Wishes. Yeah, no, it's definitely something you want to catch from, um, you know, probably either the the uh, beach at the Polynesian or from from the, the docks at the Grand Floridian. Yeah, I think it goes all the way around to uh, to the Wilderness Lodge. So you can you can catch it from from a lot of different resorts. It actually doesn't you don't even have to be at a monorail resort to, to see it. That's true. Yeah, you can also see it from the Wilderness Lodge, but I think only uh, your Wilderness Lodge shares a, a frontage on Seven Seas Lagoon, so that that's yep. why you can see it there. Yeah. Um, but it's just those four resorts that it goes past. And it's really hard if you're not staying at the Wilderness Lodge. You, you it's really hard to get there to watch the water. Parade. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I've really enjoyed this discussion of the monorail resorts. Um, makes you think about where you might want to stay next time. Uh, you've heard our views. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at disdads.com. Visit our website, disdads.com. Tweet us at disdadspodcast on Twitter. And participate in the ongoing discussions in the Disdads subforum of the Disney for Families forum at disboards.com. Until next time, it's been Aaron Ripmaster with Ryan Treichler, Eric Anderson, and Carl Nixon. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Aaron. You have a good night. Thank you. Thanks. This has been a Wizard of Oz production.